It's time for the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert and Tony Morrell. It's the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Tony Morrell, the GCI. We talk Gamecock football exclusively every Wednesday on this particular episode of the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. And, Tony, uh, there's always something to talk about with recruiting, but the Gamecocks over the weekend – Got their second commitment from a class of 2021 prospect, wide receiver Sam Reynolds uh, from Alabaster, Alabama, Thompson High School. Um, kind of a different mold than a lot of the receivers that the Gamecocks have taken recently. 5'8", 175, but uh, four five one laser time in the 40, 38-inch vertical athleticism uh, is the key word here. You know, your thoughts on, on this commitment? Yeah, I agree that he, he's definitely different from uh, many of the wide receivers South Carolina has offered and, and recruited uh, under Brian McClendon. And I think it's has a lot to do with Mike Bobo and his offense and, you know, some of the different things he wants to do with his receivers and some of the, the versatility he's looking for out of that position. He doesn't just want the, the 6'2", 190-pound guy with, with, you know, average speed. He, he wants to, to mix it up, get more speed on the field, more quickness on the field, a mix of those bigger receivers uh, along with smaller ones. Really, I think more along the lines of what South Carolina used under Steve Spurrier a lot of years, um, you know, having that slot receiver you can cr- create mismatches with and line, get him lined up against a linebacker, get him lined up against the safety, get him in space. And, and I think that's who Sam Reynolds is. Uh, you know, he's a versatile guy who could play in the slot. He can, uh, you know, you could, use him in motion you can use him on special teams he could potentially be a return man for you on punt returns or kick returns or both and i think could also probably be a guy who's on your coverage teams too he's just a a football player you know he doesn't blow you away with any one aspect of his game but uh, he plays all over the field for his team and and brings a lot of of quickness and athleticism and versatility to the table and uh, they felt strongly enough about him to to go ahead and take his commitment and uh, and you know, I think he's a guy that that Bobo has some some plans for and he should be a a good fit in the offense. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I think that there's a need for speed, you know, across the board as far as the, really the whole roster. But it's particularly noticeable at wide receiver. I think you know because of injuries or or, or just kind of their natural ability or whatever. You know, there's a lot of guys that probably don't run as well as you would have hoped. Um, Chad Terrell comes to mind uh, in that specifically. And I think, you know, his injuries have obviously pushed him back. Or Trey Smith was never a fast guy to begin with. But, you know, his injuries certainly have held him up. Um, yeah, I think Ranrigus Davis probably isn't as fast as he was as a true freshman. And he's had lots of injuries. So, you know, there, there's been some issues. I do think that, uh, you know, when you look at it, if I'm going to take a flyer on an out-of-state guy um, – <clears throat> I am going to take a flyer on a guy with this type of athleticism uh, because, as you mentioned, there's you know plenty of, of different ways uh, a guy with, with these type of uh, numbers can can impact your football team. So I I thought it was a, it was a good fit. You know, talking to some people that that are familiar with Sam Reynolds and, and how he plays, you know, they were a little surprised that the Gamecocks offered this early, um, but I think that's kind of when you're in the situation you're in 
with the 2021 class, and, and you're going to have to do piece it together, and you're going to have to take some chances. Um, I like that this chance was taken, if that made any sense. Now, what this does, Tony, uh, for those of you those of you out there that love recruiting, and if you're listening to this, you probably do. You know, in state this year, um, and this comes on the heels. Keep this in mind of the Gamecocks passing on Jalen Wyatt, who went to Tennessee from last year's class out of Dutch Fork, and also the kid from Saluda that ended up at Virginia Tech. His name escapes me. And both those guys are pretty good players. And, you know, when you talk about in-state kids going elsewhere and you're looking at what you got now and you're worried about it, you know, this type of stuff comes up. And in the 2021 class, you got J.J. Jones from Myrtle Beach. You got Amari Huggins from Dillon. Uh, and Omega Blake from Rock Hill, uh, South Point High School, all in-state guys that have Division One Power Five offers that play the receiver position. Tony, the Gamecocks are, are probably, you know, they're still recruiting these guys, but they're probably going to have to come to camp, don't you think, uh, to get an offer? Yeah, that's the plan. And, you know, J.J. Jones is probably the one they're, they're furthest down the line with because of his relationship with Luke Doty uh, at Myrtle Beach. He was his you know, top target. Uh, last year and and had a really good year and and as you mentioned has several offers to his credit but he's never camped at South Carolina and same with uh, you know Huggins Bruce and and Omega Blake they want to get those guys in camp work with them closely you know let Mike Bobo and and Brian McClendon get their hands on them put them through the paces and and figure out which ones one or ones work into the the system the best which have the best skill set to to satisfy what South Carolina's needs are at the receiver position um, you know Jones and, and Blake are, are more outside receivers Huggins Bruce I think could play a little outside but is probably more of a slot guy so taking Reynolds may reduce the chances that they're going to offer him and and you know it's probably not fair to Huggins Bruce uh, individually but you know Dylan prospects uh, have a history of not panning out and it's not just a a couple of guys here and there it's there's a pretty long list of guys here recently who have ended up at at either South Carolina or another division one school and really have not done much so I I do think it's fair to uh, for South Carolina to to want to try to extend the process as much as they can get them into camp and 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 then figure out just how good they are uh, through that evaluation but uh, you know, I think Jones is is the guy that I think uh, Jones and Blake I think are are really similar players, and I think you know at least one will likely be offered by South Carolina, maybe both. Um, and I think with with Blake's love of South Carolina and Jones' relationship with with Doty, if the Gamecocks do offer and make them a priority, I think they would have a a pretty good shot to land them. But certainly, other schools right now. Uh, you know, all the out-of-state schools that have offered are going to try to do their best to muddy the waters and say, hey, South Carolina doesn't want you. They haven't offered you. We have. Go ahead and commit to us if they're prepared to take them early. And oftentimes, an out-of-state offer, whether they'll tell the prospect that or not, is still contingent on that player coming to camp uh, and and letting their coaches look at them as well. But it's easier to throw an out-of-state offer out there that you may or may not necessarily uh, mean as being committable versus in-state if you're going to do it, uh, especially at programs like South Point, Myrtle Beach, Dillon, I mean, that, that produce prospects year after year. You have to be sure about it and be ready to, to take their commitment if you're going to offer. So, you know, that, that's the approach the staff wants to take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, J.J. Jones, Georgia offered the other day. I, I do wonder if he wanted to commit to Georgia tomorrow. 
uh, if they would take him or not. I, you know, it's, I think that's the question. And <clears throat> the nail on the head, we, we've seen it for years that you know, out-of-state offers aren't necessarily, you know, what they mean <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, you know, there's rumors out there that Alabama may offer Huggins Bruce. So they, they may offer him, but we'll see if they would take him if he committed, yeah, I, uh, you know. Almost all of Alabama's early offers out of state are guys who have to come to camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just how Saban does it, and that's one of the places where Muschamp learned it. Uh, they have a pretty similar approach to camp and, and – uh, the importance they place on getting those players in and working with them individually before taking their commitments. Yeah, and, and I'll say this: I, I like JJ. I like all three of them as a pro, as prospects. I think they're all three, you know, worthy players. Now, whether or not they fit in it with the Gamecocks or not, that's you know not for me to decide. Let me ask you about Omega Blake specifically. Any chance you think he's a defensive back in college? Uh, you know, I haven't really looked at him as a defensive back, but. You know, I, I can't rule it out. You know, guys from South Point and the way they use them, uh, they, you know, aren't scared to play players on both sides of the ball. You know, Stephon Gilmore played quarterback and safety when he was there. Uh, you know, Jadavion Clowney played defensive end and fullback and running back some when he was there. I mean, they, they'll put guys on both sides of the ball to keep their athletes on the field and do what it takes to win games. Uh, but I can't say I've evaluated him on that side of the ball. But you know, 6'2", 190, uh, with good speed and physicality and change of direction. I mean, he certainly has some of the traits you, you look for in, in maybe a safety uh, if he if he has that physicality where he can hit and has that defensive mentality. Yeah, that's, that's what, you know, the, the size is what got me. I was like, well, he's already 190. Um, you know, maybe that's his path uh, in terms of uh, the next level. But And you're right, you know, that South Point versatility, I guess – I guess that that definitely is a thing um, with how they use their players up there and they have for years. So uh, that's just kind of one of those things I was looking at. And, you know, I, I like I said, I like all three. We'll see how it goes. And I tell everybody this, you know, these are the tough decisions in recruiting you have to make because, you know, you don't want to take a guy you don't think can help you just because he's in state. But at the same time, you don't want to have a bunch of out-of-state misses and then have in-state guys who want to come to your school go elsewhere and perform at a high level. Like the Jalen Hyatt situation uh, is going to be interesting because if he goes to Tennessee and uh, balls out, especially when they play the Gamecocks, you know, there's going to be some second-guessing. That will cause you to get second-guessed in recruiting more than anything else, uh, in my opinion. Um, but those are, the, those are the decisions you have to make. I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. So – We'll see kind of how that all that pulls out. I will say I think it's going to be an interesting camp season at South Carolina, Tony. Uh, and I, I kind of I'm going to transition into the 2021 cycle as a whole. You know, Gamecocks have two commits. They're both uh, Sam Reynolds hadn't been hadn't been rated yet by everybody, so they're they're both probably three star guys according to 24/7 Sports Composite. Um, you know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, you, know, you see that on the Big Spur stuff, oh, can they get to be a fifth, top 15 class this year, top 20 class? Uh, you know, I, they had a really good class last year, and at least according to the consensus, it wasn't a top 15. I, I just don't see that happening numerically. I, I think this class needs to be a lot like the 06 class when Steve Spurrier and, and those guys – uh, they put together a class. They had Darian Stewart, Captain Munnerlin, Eric Norwood was in that class. The Brinkley twins were in that class. I mean, you had a lot of guys that were under the radar that ended up being better 
than their ranking. Um, I know that was Spurrier's second class, and, and people think we're kind of further down the road. But I, I think for 2021, that's more what you're looking at is getting more bang for your buck, you know, along with if you can get Tyon Evans um, out of JUCO. I think he's a obviously a special player, you know, guys like that. But um, I, I, I'm not trying to lower expectations, but I, I do think people need to be very realistic about like how high this class can go, you know, for a number of reasons. Yeah, there's no question the staff is up against some obstacles with this class, uh, especially now, early in the process where they're trying to generate momentum. They're coming off a four and eight season in year four, which obviously is a, a tough scenario to recruit against. You have the uncertainty about Will Muschamp's future, which you know leads to uncertainty about the rest of the staff's future. Uh, so, you know, I don't think really good prospects with a lot of offers in most cases are going to be in a hurry to jump on in the boat with South Carolina. You know, they're, they're going to probably want to you know, build a really good relationship with the coaching staff, going to you know want to see how spring practice goes, how they like camp, and then probably in, in some cases see how the season goes. And if they have a good season and, and change the perception of the program going forward, they should have a chance to, you know, maybe flip some players who are committed to other programs, uh, maybe land some guys who have delayed their decision and, and have waited until the season or after the season. Uh, but it could be a later developing class in some cases or at some positions. And, and I, I would agree that getting a top 15 class uh, under the circumstances is going to be difficult, but that doesn't mean they can't sign a good class filled with, with players who can help this football team. There's, there are enough good football players out there for everybody, especially in the, the footprint that South Carolina recruits in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and then, you know, supplement it in Alabama and some, some other surrounding States. There are enough good football players out there, but this staff is going to have to put a premium on evaluations and taking the right guys and having as few misses as possible. You know, you always have some misses in a class, but they need to hit at a higher percentage in this class than they have in some of the other recent classes under Muschamp. And, and uh, you know, whether it's a, a headline-grabbing class or not, it still needs to be a class that helps move the program forward and not one that creates a hole in the roster where, you know, a couple of years down the line they're struggling with depth again because this class wasn't good enough. Yeah, and going back to that 06 class also, you know, Rodney Polk, Hutch Eckerson, uh, Emmanuel Cook is a guy I failed to mention. He was obviously pretty good. Even guys like Terrence Campbell um, had solid careers for the Gamecocks. Spencer Lanning actually walked on in that class too. And, and you had some guys like Van Darrell Shackelford that, that didn't um, – and Clark Gadsden, we remember him, don't we? Uh, that didn't pan out. And uh, uh, Clarence Bailey, uh, who never set, stepped foot on campus, boy, that was, a, that was a fun summer to cover that, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, I, it just, the 06 class I think would be good enough. That kind of effort would be good enough because to Spurrier and Ron Cooper and those guys' credit, that, that 06 class had some players that, you know, you just didn't expect that much out of that ended up having very good careers and helping the program win games. So uh, I think that, I think you're exactly right. That that's, they need to make, they need to get their evaluation chops out. And then if they win games this fall, maybe they shouldn't. I think you can, you know, obviously Muschamp is, is known as the flipper and, and you can bet that any kind of signs of life on the field 
you know, they're going to go back in on some guys and, you know, try to get them back, uh, back rocking and rolling. All right, spring practice has started. And, um, you know, at running back today, I thought it was an interesting article. Uh, I think it was Hale or John on our site interviewed Deshaun Fenwick. You know, here's a guy, Tony, that, that's kind of an enigma. He, you know, came in. I think we were all pretty high on him as a recruit. Um, and I know the staff was. Uh, came in, you know, red-shirted. Uh, you heard whispers about his toughness. Uh, he got a lot of carries against Chattanooga, rushed for over 100 yards, Then we didn't hear from him again. And then this year, lo and behold, against another team from Tennessee, Vanderbilt, he gets a lot of carries and goes for over 100 yards. That didn't really hear from him much after that. <laughs> um, it was told to me a, a few weeks ago when I was asking about the running backs that, you know, yeah, they think Marshawn Lloyd, Kevin Harris, that duo can really help them and, and be the guys for them. But it was also mentioned to me that Deshaun Fenwick has come a long way. Um, and, and just kind of reading his comments, it, it may seem to me like he's a little more comfortable uh, with the uh, the uh, running game that Mike Bobo wants to install. And, you know, maybe this would give him a new lease on life. I, I know that you need depth. You know, you, don't, you can't just go with two and expect it to be healthy the whole year. Uh, we don't know that White, when he comes in, what exactly he'll be. Hopefully he'll be really good. Uh, but he's a JUCO running back, and you just never know. You know, so I, I thought that was a positive thing that that maybe Fenwick, I, I guess, as we like to say, the light has come on a bit for him, and um, he's kind of one of the players I know I'm going to be watching uh, as spring practice moves forward. Yeah, I think he's happy to have Bobby Bentley back as his running backs coach. You know, Bentley's the one who recruited him, so there's a comfort level there, and you know, I don't think there was a you know a learning curve for him uh, in terms of of doing things the way Bobby Bentley wants them done. Uh, he's coached him, he recruited him, and, and, and Fenwick knows what's asked of him day in and day out with Bentley as his position coach. Uh, you mentioned Bobo's offense and it being a better fit for him, and I think it is because it's more of a downhill running game. It's uh, a, a, a running game that requires physicality from the running back position, and Fenwick can, can give them that. You know, he's more of a one-cut runner. Uh, he's not a guy that's super elusive in the open field, but I, I think he's a guy that will flourish running behind a fullback like Adam Prentice, a fullback tight end, a guy that they're going to move around a lot like what South Carolina did with, with Patrick DeMarco under Spurrier. Uh, I think that, that Fenwick will like having a guy like that in front of him. And I really think South Carolina's offensive line under Eric Wolford is going to play better uh, within Mike Bobo's scheme than they did in Brian McClendon's. And I'm not saying McClendon was the problem there, but I just think it's a better marriage uh, when you look at what Wolford wants to do with his offensive line. He wants to be more downhill. He wants to be more physical. And that's also what Bobo wants to do with his offense. So that certainly would, would make life easier on Fenwick and, and Harris and, and Lloyd if, if those guys can open up more holes and, and, and be more consistent up front on the offensive line. So uh, I, I do think Fenwick is a guy to not be discounted. You know, the odds of South Carolina getting through the season with just two running backs are almost zero. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen in a conference like the SEC. There's there's always going to be some backs who get banged up, whether it's for a game or two or, or more. Uh, you, you have to have depth there. 
you know, Harris Fenwick and, and Lloyd are the only ones on campus now. White, you don't know exactly when he's going to arrive. They're hopeful it'll be in the summer, but you just don't know when or how quickly he'll pick things up. And then Rashad Amos, uh, the other running back they signed, will arrive in, in probably late May, early June. So they'll have at least one more in the mix there. But um, Bentley certainly is is on the spot to have his guys ready and to, to have all of them ready to play whenever their number's called because uh, it's a young group and, and not an overly deep group from top to bottom. Wanted to mention this because uh, you talked about it today. A guy that uh, was on the commit list for 2021 for a while, Lavoisier Carroll. Uh, now, look, he's at IMG, and I know everybody sort of worries <laughs> when kids uh, go to IMG because the Gamecocks hadn't signed anybody out of IMG. Um, but you got some information that you know, maybe he's you know, still considering the Gamecocks, going to visit soon, and uh, looking at an August decision – you know, this kind of surprised me, to be honest. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the Gamecocks and, and Carroll? Well, I still think he's probably going to be tough to land because of the IMG factor. But uh, I think the family relationships that he has in the state are keeping South Carolina in it. And I think he also likes Bobby Bentley. Uh, you know, Bentley was one of the guys who uh, had recruited him some prior to, to moving over to tight ends coach. Uh, and then Thomas Brown took over, and he, he, he was a surprise commitment to the staff when he did it. He, he basically committed his first time on campus. It wasn't something they were expecting. So it wasn't a huge shock that he decommitted when he did. Uh, but he has a lot of options on the table. You know, Florida and Auburn, Ohio State uh, are all factors with him. Uh, Georgia as well. Uh, but I'm not sure how hard Georgia's pushing for him right now. But he did list them in his top five along with those other schools. But um, you know, getting him back on campus, you know, looks like March 21st is the, the date he has in mind. That certainly would be a positive, you know, allow the staff to, to re-engage with him in person, might give Mike Bobo the opportunity to show him his offense and, and some of the differences and the things he's going to do with the running backs that they weren't doing before. And, you know, talk about his history of, of producing NFL running backs. And uh, I think has a lot to sell there to a guy like, uh, Carol. So, uh, and he doesn't. He I, he said he didn't have any other visits set up right now when we talked to him. But I know Auburn is expecting him in April for an official visit. And with him making an August decision, he's probably going to take multiple official visits this spring and summer. And I would think one of those would be to South Carolina if he does make this unofficial visit later this month and it goes well. Uh, so yeah, at the very least, the Gamecocks are, are are keeping themselves in it with him. And the fact that he does have so much family in the state of South Carolina. You know, could lead to him, you know, believing that's the the most comfortable move for him. But we'll just we'll have to see where things go from here. But he definitely is a priority for the coaching staff and someone that that Bobby Bentley and and Bobo and and Muschamp really like. Yeah, I like him too. I think he's a heck of a player, good athlete. Um, you know, the the IMG factor too, in, in my opinion, is going to make it tough to land. They tend to, but then of course, you know, they're kind of in the business of you know, putting guys at a lot of different schools and they've never put one at South Carolina. So, you know, maybe things will change. All right, Tony. So I'm looking at the pictures, uh, from spring practice. Cause I haven't been to a, the, 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 uh, the 15 minutes they let you watch. Um, one thing that stood out to me, just, you know, looking at the pictures and, and, you know, physically how guys look is jazz to turn in time. Looks like a zillion dollars. Um, you know, not really that fat, Tall, big, 
huge. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you describe it. Uh, so I checked with some sources, and, and, and they, I was told turning time, Ja'Kai Moore and Jalen Nichols, all three, and they're all kind of similarly built. They're these big, ultra-athletic, you know, offensive tackle types, which, you know, you could never have too many of. I was told all three of them have been impressive so far. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Sedari Sutcherson is definitely back inside, so they must feel comfortable with at least one of those guys on the edge. Um, you know, your thoughts on the JUCO um, – the JUCO uh, transfer and, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and him and Moore and Nichols and, you know, it just seems like the Gamecocks may be okay. Yeah. The, if, if they can count on all three of those guys to, to provide quality depth or in one of them as a starter this year, I think that would be huge for Eric Wolford. Uh, I think he's you know, inherited a tough situation on the offensive line where he had a, a few pretty good upperclassmen, a few younger guys that he liked, but very little in between. And with offensive line being a, a developmental position, having those major holes in the depth chart across the board, almost at every position on the line, it just makes it really tough when you have injuries and it makes it tough to build that group as quickly as you would like to. But I think Wolford has done a good job there. Uh, you know, Turnatine is a guy that uh, is, you know, like you said, physically, he looks the part for sure. I think that the key with him and, and really with any junior college player uh, is how quickly he can learn the system. You know, is he a, a guy who's a quick learner and can be a sponge in the meeting room and on the practice field and not make the same mistakes and, and be a guy who can do things the way Wolford wants them done? Or is he a guy that, you know, Wolford's going to have to stay on top of constantly and he's making the same mistake over and over. And, you know, that's what we're going to have to wait and see, you know, how quickly does he progress mentally? Because physically he's got it. I mean, he's, He's got the feet. He's got the arms, the length of the arms, where he can, you know, keep defensive ends away from him. He he can move well enough in space. Uh, so it, it's just it's a mental thing with the junior college players, and and it's a crapshoot with those guys as to which ones are are going to learn quickly and which ones are going to need more time. And you really don't know for sure until you get them on campus and start practicing with them. So I'm sure the staff's getting a better feel for him. I haven't checked on him since spring practice got underway, so I can't give anything specific but you know if if he more and and Nichols can all three progress and and be players that the staff can count on I think that will will help Eric Wolford sleep better at night with the depth he has at safety when you combine those three with with Dylan Wanham I don't think there's any question guard is is the better position for Sidarius Hutcherson so I, I think that helps the line uh, being able to move him back inside and, and in, a, in a place where I think he'll be more productive. And I think he can help the running game more as a guard than he did as a tackle as well. So uh, I think that it, it would be good news for sure if, if Turnitin can, can be a guy that, that they can count on right away. Yeah, me too. I just uh, I think out of those three guys, they're in pretty good shape. And you're right. I mean, you, I keep getting back to the Maxwell Iyama injury or situation where he had to go medical. I think that hurt him because, you know, they were high on Iyama coming out of spring practice. He develops these issues, and he's a guy they had penciled in at tackle. So then last year when Dylan Wanham goes down, instead of a, a Maxwell Iyama that you can slide in, you know, or, or, or him staying at left tackle and, and or Hutcherson staying inside, instead of that happening, you have to go with Jalen Nichols or Ja'Kai Moore, and that's – those, those guys just weren't ready. I mean, it's, it, you're right. It's absolutely a developmental position. Um, and I think that even though, you know, the depth is still young and some players are still untested, 
you can kind of tell just from a personnel standpoint the offensive line is on its way. Now, the most important question you're probably going to answer, and there are a lot of opinions about this, Tony. I find it interesting. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad people are sweating the center position. Who is going to be the center this year? Because, you know, Hank Mano started those two games in Charlotte, so there's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of angst about him possibly winning it. I, I don't want to throw dirt on Hank Manos yet because he, he may just not have been ready, but there's some other options. So who, who, who do you think uh, – what do you think about the center position? I, I think it's very important they find one. I just don't know who's uh, necessarily the – the front runner for the job or, or, or anything like that. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. I, I think it's Manos and, and Vincent Murphy is the, the primary two who are competing. Trey Jones, the true freshman is also uh, in enrolled and going through spring practice. And I think he's this, you know, could be potentially be the center of the future. You know, the question is whether he's going to be ready to, to take on that kind of role as a true freshman. It would be tough. Uh, so I think it's going to be Manos or Murphy. I know Murphy is a guy who did some good things for them last year during his redshirt year and and has some some things that Wolford likes. But I, I think it's going to be a, an open competition and, and potentially one that, that goes into the fall. I don't know if one of them will be able to separate from the other enough to to grab the position coming out of spring. But it, it definitely is an important spot, as we saw in that opener last year against North Carolina where it wasn't all on Hank Manos, but the interior of South Carolina's offensive line was just brutal uh, in that game. And it, it just it, it showed what kind of problems it can cause if you don't have the right personnel in there and guys who are ready to, to adjust to what the opposing defensive line is doing. So uh, that was definitely a situation where the Gamecocks lost the battle at the line of scrimmage and it led to them losing the game. So – it is very important, but I don't know that we're far enough along in spring practice to have a good feel for, for which one of those guys is likely to take the spot. Yeah, I, I think the thing with Manos is this. We, we have two games, and those were two tough situations. Obviously, he wasn't ready. He ended up getting hurt last year, too, and, and you know, was out for practice for a while. Um, I wouldn't panic if Manos ends up winning the job, but obviously he's got to play better than he has. Uh, previously in games, I, I think in practice he's fine, but I, I think in in the games he hadn't really handled the, the moment uh, as well as you would have liked. And, and I do hear a lot of good things about Vinny Murphy. I mean, he's a uh, he's he doesn't lack for confidence. I, I'll say that <laughs> he's a confident kid and you know wants to go out there and play well. And so I, I think that'd be good. And you know Trey Jones, absolutely. I mean he's he's got huge upside as a center. I, I think just huge. Upside now, whether or not it, it, he, that's him as a freshman, who knows? But I, I think it's huge his upside and his athleticism and all that. There's a reason 24/7 Sports hung four stars on him. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, so that'll be interesting. Well, that's all the time we have today on the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. For Tony Morales, J.C. Sherbert, we'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.